Chapter 9 of Under the Tiger's Claws. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Under the Tiger's Claws by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 9. Under Oath. That's what I propose to do, Chick. Go to the bottom of it, Nick? Plumb to the bottom, declared the famous detective. I am now in the case in dead earnest, Chick, and I'm going to know who killed that man, Kendall, or lose a leg in the attempt. I'll wager you'll retain both legs, laughed Chick. I gave my word to that royal girl when I believed there appeared nothing very serious in the way of making good my promise, and now that I find myself confronted with the most serious of all problems, I'm blessed if I'll throw up the sponge. I'll ferret out the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You hear me? Chick laughed again, and he was by no means blind to the grim determination reflected in Nick's face, nor to the feelings with which his words were imbued. It was less than an hour since Nick left the scene of the murder committed the previous night, and he had hurried home to rejoin Nick and inform him of all he had seen and heard. With Nick Carter, to think was to act. Yet despite his hurried return from Fordham, and the fact that he was now very definitely actuated, Nick was not a little puzzled by the conflicting evidence of the case. It was this evidence that he was discussing with Chick which had led to the foregoing digression, while Nick was rapidly putting on the same disguise that he had worn in Flood's place the previous evening. It appears plain enough that Flood went out there last night after leaving his faro bank, Nick grimly continued. You saw him take that cane just as he departed, and I can swear it to be the same that was found this morning. It cannot have gone out there of itself, remarked Chick. But why Flood went out there again after having been turned down by the rector and making that big losing to Kendall is more than I can conjecture. You heard young Royal's threats in the Pharaoh Bank, said Chick. Certainly I heard them. Possibly Flood feared that the drunken scamp meant to execute them, and he may have gone out there to prevent him. Nick quickly shook his head. Well enough reason, Chick, said he, but your theory hasn't feet to stand on. Why not? In the first place, replied Nick, Flood attached no serious importance to Royal's threats and barely gave them a second thought. His face showed that, also that his mind was intent upon some other matter. I'll admit that he appeared so. Furthermore, added Nick, he had only Royal's maudlin intimation as to where Kendall might be found, and he would not have banked so heavily on them as to have traveled post-haste to Fordham. Possibly not, Nick. He must have gone directly out there, however, for it was after eight o'clock when he left the Faroe Bank, and we have the physician's word for it that the murder was committed about nine o'clock. That's true. No, no, Chick, some other motive took Flood out to Fordham last night, and only the devil himself could guess just what occurred there. You don't believe that he killed Kendall. Not by a long chalk. I'd wager all I possess against that. What about young Royal? He's an open question. Do you think he did it? It's barely possible, yet it is too early in the game to think profitably, replied Nick. There's something I want you to do. Name it. Royal keeps a room at the Carlton Chambers. Do you know where they are located? Yes. Then into a disguise, in order that we may not appear in the case as yet, and go up there, continued Nick. If you can find Royal... Question him as to where he went last night after leaving Flood's place, and see what you can gather from his answers and his bearing. Trust me for that, Nick, but suppose he is away. 
then quietly ascertain, if possible, whether he occupied his room there last night and at precisely what time he came in. Is that all? All for the present, Chick, as far as he is concerned. That central office sleuth, Jerry, will get after him soon enough, as well as after Flood, and I wish at present to keep a bit in the background. Jerry will soon learn all about Kendall's winning that money. No doubt, Chick, but he'll not discover that Flood lost it voluntarily. You and I and that Q-keeper are all that know about it, and the humpback will keep his mouth closed. I'll wager that Flood has ensured that. But the evidence against Flood is decidedly incriminating, declared Chick. Jerry will probably land him this very morning. I don't think so, smiled Nick oddly. I'm going to get in the way of Mr. Detective Jerry. Oh, that's your game, is it? That's the beginning of it, replied Nick more gravely. I'm convinced, despite the evidence against him, that Flood had no hand in this crime. Before I can proceed to an intelligent investigation of it, however, I must learn just where Moses Flood stands and what attitude he will take when informed of the murder. I see, nodded Chick. He may deny any knowledge of it or claim that he was not... Uh, but what's the use of trying to anticipate Flood's conduct, Nick bluntly demanded. A man who would do what he did last evening, Chick, would hesitate at nothing that served his purpose. He is as difficult to read as... as... as yourself, supplemented Chick with a laugh. Possibly even more difficult, smiled Nick, as he completed his disguise. At all events, Chick, I'm not quite sure that I want Flood arrested, and so I'm going to get in Jerry's way until I can learn how the land lies. Do you think Flood will inform you? I don't think that he will, but I believe I can gather something from an interview with him, explained Nick. I see. He'll not suspect me, in this disguise, of being other than a fellow gamester, and I have already shaped my course with him. Meantime, you investigate young Harry Royal and meet me here at noon. Leave that youngster to me, nodded Chick, as they prepared to depart in company. By the way, Nick, have you communicated with Gilsey of the trust company? I have telephoned him only that Kendall was in Flood's place last evening, replied Nick. I could not well inform him of the murder without disclosing that I had been out there. He'll get the news of that soon enough, however. As the case now looks at it, the detective, as they were about parting at the street corner, I think we may have some warm work before we see the end of it. Let it come, Nick. I reckon we can take care of it. We'll give it a try at all events. See me again at noon, Chick. Sure thing. It happened that morning that Moses Flood arrived at his gambling house less than ten minutes in advance of Nick Carter. It was an hour, moreover, when there was rarely any business, and Flood found the house deserted by all except the attendant at the street door and the deformed queue-keeper on the floor above. Both were engaged in putting the place in order after the night game. Flood at once mounted the stairs and entered the chamber previously described. At that hour, however, the room presented a vivid contrast. It was like looking at the bare stage of a theater seen by daylight. There was no game going, no excited players, no glare of electric lights, no clicking of ivory chips, no sign of apprehension, no precautionary measures. For the door of the room stood open, and John Green, the humpback, was engaged in wiping the glassware on the sideboard. Flood appeared pale and haggard, like one who was past a sleepless night. Yet he was neatly dressed as was always the case, and carried himself with habitual dignity and composure. "'Good morning, John,' said he, with a sharp glance about the room. The face of the humpback lighted perceptibly, yet a certain anxious look in his tired eye betrayed his secret misgivings. "'Good morning, Mr. Flood,' he replied a bit huskily, 
You're down early, sir. Somewhat. Who has been here this morning? Only Nate Goddard, sir. He looked in for a minute, then said he had an errand downtown. No one else has called? Not a soul, sir. Flood suppressed a sigh of relief, yet despite the assurance given him, his eyes again swept sharply about the room. What time did the game stop last night, he asked. Just about midnight, sir. There weren't many around after... after... After I made my big losing, queried the gambler with a faint smile crossing his pale face. Aye, sir, that's what I had in mind, replied Green with grave humility. Did young Royal show up again? No, sir. You saw what I did, John. How could I help seeing it, Mr. Flood? I had to mark up the cues when you signed a card taken. Did I do the job well, John? Sure, sir. Well's no name for it, cried the humpback. On my word, sir, I was the most surprised man that ever sat shaking in a chair. There was nothing for you to fear. Maybe twasn't all fear, sir. Be not surprised at anything I may do, added Flood moodily. Was any person wise to the play? Never a one, sir, declared Green with emphasis. All hands thought the losing was on the level. Not a man save us knows what you did, Mr. Flood. I'd stake my life on that. For your life, then, John, keep the secret, cried Flood, laying a heavy hand on his startled hearer's shoulder. Give me your word, your oath, man, that you'll keep it. Let come what may. My oath tis, sir, then, cried the humpback, with his hand impressively raised. So help me God, sir, I'll keep the secret. Nor reveal it under any circumstances? Never, sir, until you say the word. For reasons of my own, John, I wish... Oh, dash your reasons, sir, came the impulsive interruption. Your wish is enough for me. I've not forgot t'was you who took me out of the streets and put me in the way of a decent living. I told you last night you could trust me, and I tell you now, sir, I'll let go my life if need be to hide what you did last night. Flood dropped his hand from the man's shoulder and took that of the speaker. I know that I can trust you, John, said he slowly. My only fear was that you might disclose the truth for my sake, should serious circumstances involve me. Not I, sir, if you say not. Understand me, John, and Flood's resonant voice grew strangely hard and grim. I am now playing against a tough and hard game, the hardest a man has ever to face, and one that may bring me between life and death. Good God, sir! Nay, don't start and grow pale. I know what I'm about and what I am saying. Mark well my words and remember your vow. Under no circumstances, not even to save my neck from a hangman's noose, are you by word or sign to betray my secret. The face of the humpback was the color of dead ashes, and its expression one never to be forgotten. Yet he again raised his hand and fervently answered, Never, sir, God hearing me. If I ever wish the truth disclosed, I will inform you. Till then, let come what may be silent, always silent. Trust me, sir, my lips are sealed. And if the gratitude of a man of my calling is worth anything, added Flood, with a strange light sweeping over his hueless face, if a gambler's appreciation, a gamester's thanks, hush, not a word, see who rang. A single note from the bell on the street door had sounded through the quiet house. It caused Flood to start as if stung. His countenance changed like a flash. His features became hard as flint, and his eyes, in which were reflected the sad memories evoking his grateful words, took on a light like that cast from a blade of polished steel.
The humpback darted into the hall and peered down the stairs. The attendant was just opening the street door. Nick Carter, in the disguise of Joe Badger, stood on the steps. Hello, Peters, he exclaimed familiarly. Is Moses Flood about? The goggle eyes of the humpback swept round to meet those of the gamester, standing as rigid as stone in the adjoining room. It's only Joe Badger, sir, he whispered hoarsely. Again that fleeting expression of relief swept over Flood's white face. Badger, at this hour, he muttered darkly. What does he want? He says he must see you, sir. Must? That was the word, sir. Must. Ha! What matters? Let him come up. The humpback called down the stairs. All right, Peters, let him come up. And Nick Carter quickly mounted the stairs. End of chapter 9